Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top, at the top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same uh, menu at the top of the page, there is also a link to subscribe to a daily email, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, with Section 8. I am not yet on. Section 8, The Guide for Miracles. And at the top of the hour, we will pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Lesson 131, no one can fail who asks to reach the truth. And that will be led as uh, by an estimable friend. Thank you, friend. All right, um, let's see. Let me do this first. Lori, you have an opening for us this morning? I do, Lori. And it's one of the more obscure poems from Mary Oliver, but it's so perfect for the day. And it goes like this. You are young, so you know everything. You leap into the boat and begin rowing. But listen to me, without fanfare, without embarrassment, without any doubt, I talk directly to your soul. Listen to me. Lift the oars from the water. Let your arms rest in your heart, your heart's little intelligence, and listen to me. There is life without love. It is not worth a bent penny or a scuffed shoe. It's not worth the body of a dead dog nine days unburied. When you hear, mile away and still out of sight, the churn of the water as it begins to swirl and roil, fretting around the sharp rocks, when you hear that unmistakable pounding, when you feel the mist on your mouth and sense the embattlement, the long falls plunging and streaming, then row, row for your life toward it. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Beautiful, thank you. Yeah, I was happy to find that one. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. <clears throat> okay, I have with us this morning in reading, I have uh, 
Lori, Fran, um, let's see, Lori, Fran, uh, Karen, who has left the, for now, and Donna. So it's Lori, Fran, Donna, and Sandra. And with this in listening, I have Harrison. Has anyone else joined who would like to say good morning and join the reading list or just say hi? Okay. I will go ahead and get us started then in Chapter 11. God's Plan for Salvation, Section 8, The Guide for Miracles. This paragraph 61. Miracles demonstrate that learning has occurred under the right guidance. For learning is invisible. And what has been learned can be recognized only by its result. Its generalization is demonstrated as you use it in more and more situations you will recognize that you have learned there is no order of difficulty in miracles when you have applied them to all situations. There is no situation to which miracles do not apply, and by applying them to all situations, you will gain the real world. For in this holy perception, you will be made whole and the atonement will radiate from your acceptance of it for yourself to everyone the Holy Spirit sends to you for your blessing. In every child of God, his blessing lies, and in your blessing of the children of God is his blessing to you. And Lori. So chapter 11, God's plan for salvation, section 8, the guide for miracles. 61, miracles demonstrate that learning has occurred under the right guidance. For learning is invisible, and what has been learned can be recognized only by its results. Its generalization is demonstrated as you use it in more and more situations. You will recognize that you have learned there's no order of difficulty in miracles when you have applied them to all situations. There is no situation to which miracles do not apply. And by applying them to all situations, you will gain the real world. For in this holy perception, you will be made whole. And the atonement will radiate from your acceptance of it for yourself to everyone. The Holy Spirit sends you for your blessing. In every child of God, his blessing lies. And in your blessing of the children of God is his blessing to you. Everyone in the world must play his part in the redemption of the world to recognize that the world has been redeemed. You cannot see the invisible, yet if you see its effects, you know it must be there. By perceiving what it does, you recognize its being. And by what it does, you learn what it is. You cannot see your abilities, but you gain confidence in their existence as they enable you to act. 
and the results of your actions you can see. Thank you, Lori. And Fran? Um, I'm not sure what's wrong, but I keep getting dropped. I've been dropped like four times. So I'll read, but if you if I don't hear me, that's what happened. And I'll turn off my phone and open it up again. Okay. 62. Everyone in the world must play his part in the redemption of the world to recognize that the world has been redeemed. You cannot see the invisible. Yet if you see its effects, you know it must be there. By perceiving what it does, you recognize its being. And by what it does, you learn what it is. You cannot see your abilities, but you gain confidence in their existence as they enable you to act. And the results of your actions you can see. 63. The Holy Spirit is invisible, but you can see the results of his presence, and through them you will learn that he is there. What he enables you to do is clearly not of this world, for miracles violate every law of reality as this world judges it. Every law of time and space, of magnitude and mass, of prediction and control is transcended, for what the Holy Spirit enables you to do is clearly beyond all of them. Perceiving his results, you will understand where he must be and finally know what he is. Well, thank you, friend. And let's see. Okay. Um, and Donna. Uh, 63. The Holy Spirit is invisible, but you can see the results of his presence, and through them you will learn that he is there. What he enables you to do is clearly not of this world, for miracles violate every law of reality as this world judges it. Every law of time and space, of magnitude and mass, of prediction and control is transcended. For what the Holy Spirit enables you to do is clearly beyond all of them. Perceiving his results, you will understand where he must be and finally know what he is. 64. You cannot see the Holy Spirit but you can see his manifestations. And unless you do, you will not realize he is there. Miracles are his witnesses and speak for his presence. What, we, what you cannot see becomes real to you only through the witnesses who speak for it. For you can be aware of what you cannot see. And it can become compellingly real to you as its presence becomes manifest through you. Do the Holy Spirit's work for you share in his function. As your function in heaven is creation, so your function on earth is healing. God shares his function with you in heaven. And the Holy Spirit shares his with you 
on earth. Jesus. Thank you, Donna and Sandra. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see his manifestations. And unless you do, you will not realize he is there. Miracles are his witnesses and speak for his presence. What you cannot see becomes real to you only through the witnesses who speak for it. For you can be aware of what can, for you can be aware of what you cannot see and it can become compellingly real to you as it as its presence becomes manifest through you. Do the Holy Spirit's work for you share in his function. As your function in heaven is creation, so your function on earth is healing. God shares his functions with you in heaven, and the Holy Spirit shares his with you on earth. 65. As long as you believe you have two functions, so long will you need correction. For this belief is the destruction of peace, a goal a goal in, in direct opposition to the Holy Spirit's purpose. You see what you expect, and you expect, <laughs> and you expect what you invite. Your perception is the result of your invitation coming to you as you sent for it. Whose manifestations would you see? Of whose presence would you be convinced? For you will believe in what you manifest. And as you look out, so will you see in. Two ways of looking at the world are in your mind, and your perception will reflect the guidance you choose. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for 65 and 66? Hi. I'm here now. And I can read. It's Robin okay, Marie. Great. Please 60. go ahead, Robin. Thank you. 65. As long as you believe you have two functions, so long will you need correction. For this belief is the destruction of peace, a goal in direct opposition to the Holy Spirit's purpose. You see what you expect, and you expect what you invite. Your perception is the result of your invitation coming to you as you sent for it. Whose manifestations would you see? Of whose presence would you be convinced? For you will believe in what you manifest, and as you look out, so will you see in. Two ways of looking at the world are in your mind, and your perception will reflect the guidance you, cho- you chose. 66. I am the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and when you see me, it will be because you have invited him, for he will send you his witnesses, if you will but look upon them. Remember always that you see what you seek, for what you seek you will find. The ego finds what it seeks, and only that it does not find love, for that is not what it is seeking. Yet see and finding are the same. And if you seek for two goals, you will find them, but you will recognize neither, for you will think they are the same, because you want them both. 
The mind always strives for integration. And if it is split and wants to keep the split, it will believe it has one goal by making it one. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Karen, are you able to read now? Yes, thank you. 66. I am the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And when you see me, it will be because you have invited him. For he will send you his witnesses, if you will but look upon them. Remember always that you see what you seek. For what you seek, you will find. The ego finds what it seeks and only that. It does not find love, for that is not what it is seeking. Yet seeking and finding are the same, and if you seek for two goals, you will find them. But you will recognize neither, for you will think they are the same because you want them both. The mind always strives for integration, and if it is split and wants to keep the split, it will believe it has one goal by making it one. 67. We said before that what you project is up to you, but it is not up to you whether to project, for projection is a law of mind. Perception is projection, and you look in before you look out. As you look in, you choose the guide for seeing, and then you look out and behold his witnesses. That is why you find what you seek. What you want in yourself, you will make manifest by projection, and you will accept it from the world because you put it there by wanting it. Well, thank you, Karen. And is there a, another new is there a new reader for sixty seven, sixty eight? Do we have a new reader for sixty seven and sixty eight? Okay, um, back to you, Lori. We said before that what you project is up to you, but it is not up to you whether to project, for projection is the law of mind. Perception is projection. And you look in before you look out. As you look in, you choose the guide for seeing, and then you look out and behold his witnesses. This is why you find what you seek. What you want in yourself, you will make manifest by projection, and you will accept it from the world because you put it there by wanting it. 68. When you think you are projecting what you do not want, it is still because you do want it. This leads directly to dissociation, for it represents the acceptance of two goals each perceived in a different place, separated from each other because you made them different. The mind then sees a divided world outside itself 
would not within. This gives it an illusion of integrity and enables it to believe that it is pursuing one goal. As long as you perceive the world is split, you are not healed. For to be healed is to pursue one goal because you have accepted only one and want but one. Okay, thank you, Lori. And Fran. Oh, Reed, I've been dropped six times. I don't know what the problem is, but if you don't hear me, that's what happened again. 68. Thank you. When you think you are projecting what you do not want, it is still because you do want it. This leads directly to dissociation, for it represents the acceptance of two goals. Each proceeds in a different place, separated from each other because you made them different. The mind then sees a divided world outside itself, but not within. This gives it an illusion of integrity and enables it to believe that it is pursuing one goal. As long as you perceive the world as split, you are not healed. For to be healed is to pursue one goal because you have accepted only one and want but one. 59. When you want only love, you will see nothing else. The contradictory nature of the witnesses you perceive is merely the reflection of your conflicting invitations. You have looked upon your minds and accepted opposition there, having sought it there. But do not then believe that the witnesses for opposition are true, for they attest only to your decision about reality returning to you the message you gave them. Love is recognized by its messengers. If you make love manifest, its messengers will come to you because you invited them. Thank you, friend. And Donna. 69. When you want only love, you will see nothing else. The contradictory nature of the witnesses you perceive is merely the reflection of your own conflicting invitations. You have looked upon your minds and accepted opposition there, having sought it there. But you do not then believe that the witnesses for opposition are true. For they attest only to your decision about reality, returning to you the message you gave them. Love is recognized by its messengers. If you make love manifest, its messengers will come to you because you invited them. 70. The power of decision is your own... The power of decision is your one remaining freedom as a prisoner of this world. You can decide to see it right. What you made of it is not its reality, for its reality is only what you gave it. You cannot really give anything but love to anyone or anything, nor can you really receive anything else from them. 
If you think you have received anything else, it is because you have looked within and thought you saw the power to give something else within yourself. It was only this decision that determined what you found, for it was the decision of what you sought. Thank you, Donna. And uh, Sandra. Power of, <clears throat> the power of decision is your one remaining freedom as a prisoner of this world. You can decide to see it right. What you made of it is not its reality, for its reality is only what you gave it. You cannot really give anything but love to anyone or anything, nor can you really receive anything else from them. If you think you have received anything else, it is because you have looked within and thought you saw the power to give something else within yourself. It was only this vision that determined what you found, for it was the decision of what you sought. 71. You are afraid of me because you looked within and are afraid of what you saw. Yet you could not have seen reality, for the reality of your mind is the loveliest of God's creations. Coming only from God, its power and grandeur could only bring you peace if you really looked upon it. If you are afraid, it is because you saw something that is not there. Yet in that same place, you could have looked upon me and all your brothers in the perfect safety of the mind which created us. For we are there in the peace of the Father who wills to project his peace through you. Well, thank you, Sandra. And Robin Marie. Seventy-one, you are afraid of me because you looked within and are afraid of what you saw, yet you could not have seen reality, for the reality of your mind is the loveliest of God's creations. Coming only from God, its power and grandeur could only bring you peace if you really looked upon it. If you are afraid, it is because you saw something that is not there. Yet in that same place, you could look upon me and all your brothers in the perfect safety of the mind which created us. For we are there in the peace of the Father, who wills to project his peace through you. 72. When you have accepted your mission to project peace, you will find it. For by making it manifest, you will see it. Its holy witnesses will surround you because you called upon them and they will come to you. I have heard your call and I have answered it, but you will not look upon me nor hear the answer which you sought. That is because you do not yet want only that. Yet as I become more real to you, you will learn that you do want only that and you will see me as you look within. And we will look upon the world as God created it, together, through the eyes of Christ, 
only the real world exists and can be seen. As you decide, so will you see. And all that you see but witnesses to your decision. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 72. When you have accepted your wit, excuse me, when you have accepted your mission to project peace, you will find it. By making it manifest, you will see it. Its holy witnesses will surround you because you called upon them and they will come to you. I have heard your call and I have answered it, but you will not look upon me nor hear the answer which you sought. That is because you do not yet want only that. Yet, as I become more real to you, you will learn that you do want only that. And you will see me as you look within. And we will look upon the world as God created it together. Through the eyes of Christ, only the real world exists and can be seen. As you decide, so will you see. And all that you see but witnesses to your decision. 73. When you look within and see me, it will be because you have decided to manifest truth. And as you manifest it, you will see it both without and within. For you will see it without because you saw it first within. Everything you behold without is a judgment of what you beheld within. If it is your judgment, it will be wrong. For judgment is not your function. If it is the judgment of the Holy Spirit, it will be right. For judgment is his function. You share his function only by judging as he does, reserving no judgment at all unto yourselves. For you will judge against yourselves, and he, but he will judge for you. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for 73 and 74? New reader for 73 and 4? Okay, uh, back to you, Lori. Okay. When you look within and see me, it will be because you've decided to manifest truth. And as you manifest it, you will see it both without and within. For you will see it without because you saw it first within. Everything you behold without is a judgment of what you beheld within. If it is your judgment, it will be wrong. For judgment is not your function. If it is the judgment of the Holy Spirit, it will be right, for judgment is his function. You share his function only by judging as he does, reserving no judgment at all unto yourselves. For you will judge against yourselves, but he will judge for you. 
74. Remember then that whenever you look without and react unfavorably to what you see, you have judged yourself unworthy and have condemned yourself to death. The death penalty is the ego's ultimate goal, for it fully believes that you are a criminal, as deserving of death as God knows you are deserving of life. The death penalty never leaves the ego's mind, for that is what it always reserves for you in the end. Wanting to kill you is the final expression of its feeling for you. It lets you live, but to await death. It will torment you while you live, but its hatred is not satisfied until you die, for your your destruction is the one end toward which it works, and the only end with which it will be satisfied. Thank you, Laurie. And Fran? 74. Remember then that whenever you look without and react unfavorably to what you see, you have judged yourself unworthy and have condemned yourself to death. The death penalty is the ego's ultimate goal, for it fully believes that you are a criminal, as deserving of death as God knows you are deserving of life. The death penalty never leaves the ego's mind, for that is what it always reserves for you in the end. Wanting to kill you as the final expression of its feeling for you, it lets you live, but to await death. It will torment you while you live, but its hatred is not satisfied until you die. For your destruction is the one end toward which it works, and the only end with which it will be satisfied. 75. The ego is not a traitor to God to whom treachery is impossible, but it is a traitor to you who believe you have been treacherous to your father. That is why the undoing of guilt is an essential part of the Holy Spirit's teaching. For as long as you feel guilty, you are listening to the voice of the ego, which tells you that you have been treacherous to God and therefore deserve death. You will think that death comes from God and not from the ego because by confusing yourself with the ego, you believe that you want death. And from what you want, God does not save you. Thank you, Bryn. And Donna. 75. The ego is not a traitor to God, to whom treachery is impossible. But it is a traitor to you who believe you have been treacherous to your father. That is why the undoing of guilt is an essential part of the Holy Spirit's teaching. For as long as you feel guilty, you are listening to the voice of the ego, which tells you that you have been treacherous to God and therefore deserve death. You will think that death comes from God and not from the ego because by confusing yourself with the ego, you believe that you want death. And from what you want, God does not save you. 76. When you are tempted to yield to the desire for death, remember that I did not die. You will realize that this is true when you look within and see me. Would I have overcome death for myself alone? And would eternal life have been given me 
of the Father unless he had also given it to you? When you learn to make me manifest, you will never see death. For you will have looked upon the deathless in yourself, and you will see only the eternal as you look out upon the world that cannot die. Thank you, Donna and Sandra. Hmm. When you are tempted to yield to the desire for death, remember that I did not die. You will realize that this is true when you look within and see me. Would I have, out, would I have overcome death for myself alone? And would eternal life have been given me of the Father unless he had also given it to you? When you learn to make me manifest, you will never see death. For you will have looked upon the deathless in yourself, and you will see only the eternal as you look upon a world that cannot die. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. And uh, is there is there anyone else who would like to read the seventy six? Either someone who's joined us or someone who's already read. Anyone? I will read this one more. Oh, thank you, Aaron. When you attempted to yield to the desire of, for death, remember that I did not die. You will realize that this is true when you look within and see me. Would I have overcome death? for myself alone and would eternal life have been given me of the Father unless he had also given it to you? When you learn to make (coughs) when you learn to make me manifest you will never see death for you have looked upon the deathless in yourself and you will see only the eternal as you look out upon a world that cannot die Thank you, Harrison. And <laughs> well, it's been an interesting morning here. Um, 
Uh, so let me ask you, Fran, do uh, <laughs> you feel confident enough now to, uh, uh, in your connection, to go ahead and lead us in this lesson? Which... I can try. I've been dropped around eight times. I know. But this I've, time I've... I'm staying in. You see it? <laughs> yeah, I've had some computer problems of my own where my screens are going blank and then flashing and that kind of day, I guess. Wow. And um, other people are sailing through. I do see that, you know, every time I manage to get the console up, you, your time seems to be less on the call. Um, yeah. Um, I can try it because this time yeah. it seems like I'm, go I'm going a little longer. Yeah, I, I ask that you do try it because this thing of no one can fail who asks to reach the truth, this seems to be a great summary for all the different things he walks through right. in this section. Okay, should I do it now? Yes, please. Okay. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today's lesson is 131. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. So I'll read some from the lesson. This lesson's a little bit longer than the average one. So. And then we'll do um, the five-minute practice on the lesson. Okay. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. Failure is all about you while you seek for goals that cannot be achieved. You look for permanence in the impermanent, for love where there is none, for safety in the midst of danger, immortality within the darkness and the dream of death, goals which are meaningless are not attained. Pursuit of the imagined leads to death because it is the search for nothingness, and while you seek for life, you ask for death. Yet searching is inevitable here. For this you came, and you will surely do the thing you came for. Be glad that search you must. Be glad as well to learn you search for heaven and must find the goal you really want. No one can fail to want this goal and reach it in the end. No one remains in hell, for no one can abandon his creator nor affect his perfect, timeless, and unchanging love. You will find heaven, everything you seek, but this will fall away. Why wait for heaven? It is here today. Time is the great illusion. It is past or in the future. Heaven remains your one alternative to this strange world. You made in all its ways. Today we will not choose a paradox in place of truth. Leave foolish thoughts like these behind today and turn your mind to true ideas instead. No one can fail who asked to reach the truth. And it is truth we ask to reach today. We will devote 10 minutes to this goal three times today. And we will ask to see the rising of the real world to replace the foolish images that we held dear. This we acknowledge as we start upon our practice periods. Begin with, I ask to see a different world and think a different kind of thought from those I made. The world I seek, I did not make alone. The thoughts I want to think are not my own. For several minutes, 
Watch your mind and see, although your eyes are closed, the senseless world you think is real. Review the thoughts as well. Then let them go and sink below them. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. And it is this request you make today. Nothing but this has any meaning now. No other goal is valued now nor sought. Put out your hand and see how easily the door swings open. You cannot fail today. There walks with you the spirit heaven sent you that you might approach this door someday and through his aid slip effortlessly into to the light. This is the day of gladness. Salvation's time has come. Today is set by heaven itself to be a time of grace for you and for the world. You forget this happy fact. Remind yourself with this. Today, I seek and find all that I want. My single purpose offers it to me. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. Now we'll do our five-minute practice. Lesson 131, No One Can Fail to Who Asks to Reach the Truth.
Purging is inevitable here. For this you came, and you will surely do the thing you came for. Lesson 131, no one can fail who asks to reach the truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. The first time I didn't get dropped. Yay. (laughs) Reach the truth. That's called a miracle. (laughs) Yeah, a miracle. You're right. Morning, everyone. This is Lori, and uh, sometimes I like to um, go back to the review lessons and review lesson one. And in this particular lesson, I recognized um, a resonance when he said, "Seek this door," but before you open it, um, remember what it is you really want. So speaking of that door, um, I remembered Lesson 56 in the review, and uh, and just just a couple paragraphs. Um, so relate to this reading and this lesson. In Lesson 27, the review says, "Recognizing what I see reflects what I think I am. I realize that vision is my greatest need." The world I see attests to the fearful nature of the self-image I have made. If I would remember who I am, it is essential that I let this image of myself go. As it is replaced by truth, vision will surely be given me, and with this vision, I will look upon the world and on myself with charity and love. And then this one, above all else, I want to see differently. The world I see holds my fearful self-image in place and guarantees its continuous continuance. While I see the world as I see it now, truth cannot enter my awareness. I would let the door behind this world be open for me that I may look past it to the world that reflects the love of God. And then he puts a punctuation mark on this whole reading. In that review lesson 56, review of 30, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. In my own mind, behind all my insane thoughts of separation and attack, is the knowledge that all is one forever. I have not lost the knowledge of who I am because I have forgotten it. It has been kept for me in the mind of God who has not left his thoughts. I want to think a different kind of thought. And I, who am among them, 
and one with them and one with him boy don't don't those three paragraphs encapsulate everything we read in this lesson I'm complete thank you so much for doing that perfect thank you This is Donna from paragraph 65. What, what, I, what I got from that for myself is what I see outside will reveal my choice and quality of thought. And then one other paragraph that <laughs> we read, <clears throat> 74. After reading that, I said to myself, "Why would I have such? Why why would I have such a roommate?" <laughs> See, you go. I have complete <laughs> such a roommate as the ego. <laughs> That's good, Donna. Wow. Thank you. That's perfect. I love it. A roommate. Oh. This is Fran. I love that in the um, lesson, in the uh, first sentence, when he says, no one can fail who asks to reach the truth. I love that he put ask in there. It's, that's all you have to do is ask. It's not try or break your neck trying to do it and all that. Just ask. I love that. I'm complete. Me too, Fran. Don't have to break your neck (laughs) (laughs) or your foot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and isn't it true that to ask is to say, I don't know? Or to fail to ask is to say, I do. Wow, good point.
This is Donna. That, that's interesting because that's really what I, every time, Lori, you said love and forgiveness, every time I would ask Jesus or the Holy Spirit, what does she really say, love and forgiveness? And the other thing that I became aware of when I was recontemplating that was there's some that there is there were other two other words and both were in our lesson today, the real world and atonement. So and because you you continue to remind us of love and forgiveness, but it means love and forgiveness of a higher rung, really, than as we think of love and uh, forgiveness as human beings. We think we have to forgive somebody for something uh, in order for us to move on or vice versa. And, um, and love always has some kind of attachment to it. But you are talking about love and forgiveness and um and and I my continuing to ask is beginning to make the real world real to me and the mystery of atonement uh is coming into awareness for me. So praise the Lord. I am grateful and complete. Mm, that's beautiful, Donna. Yeah. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thanks, yeah, starting Donna. to just <laughs> starting to gel in my mind too. <laughs> and I saw in sixty seven um when it says perception is projection and you look in before you look out. As you look in, you choose the guide for seeing and then you look out and behold his witnesses. I really found that very helpful. Um, my hardest time of doing that is when I'm extremely tired and, and I need to put this up somewhere in my house when I get home and like, oh yeah, I still need to look in because I want to be putting out, you know, from, from Christ love out into the world and projecting that. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thanks, Robin Marie. Good morning. This is Sandra. Um, and um, the power of decision and no one can fail who asks to reach the truth. Um, you know, I, I, the, 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 there's only one function for this body, and that is to extend love. And if somehow I'm in a situation where I'm asked to join in with something that is not extending love, I just assume be dead. <laughs> I'm not here to survive. This body is not here to survive. This body is here to extend love. And if it's and if it's not if it's not possible to do that, or there's a situation 
that somehow there's a force that says, no, you, you are going to, like, let's just say um, Nazi Germany, where people, you know, people, they didn't even, they just followed. And I'm sure many, many, many people knew that this was not right what was going on. And it wasn't just for Jews. I mean, there were 10 million people annihilated then. Six million supposedly were Jews. But there was four million other people that have never been acknowledged. Just And they were just, they. it was all about slavery. It's always all about slavery and exploitation. And I don't want to participate in that. And I will take a bullet to the head before I start to participate in anything like that. To me, that is the most humane way of bowing out and saying, no, I'm not going to participate. And, you know, there's a certain freedom in that too, not being attached to the body and its survival if it can't do what it came here to do, which is to extend love. And there's all kinds of ways to extend love. It's limitless, the amounts of ways that we can extend love. But I, you know, I will not participate in in this planet, which has been based in slavery since the beginning of time. And now the the worst slavery that's going on is is the exploitation of children. And, and, oh, God, it's just awful what can go on on this planet when people, but it can't go on if people won't participate. <laughs> you know, if people would choose to, to die rather than to participate because they know there is no death. There is no death. And this is all about cho- choice and the power of decision. And being willing to to ask for guidance instead of thinking, I know what's supposed to go on here, is just ask for guidance. And and I've been asking for guidance around this. And I and I, I mean, I just couldn't believe the answer was was take a bullet to the head. You're not a body anyway. What the hell do you care? You stand for what is right. What you stand for the light. You are the light of the world. You are the love of the world. And it's my will that wills to be the Christ and bring the Christ energy onto this planet. I have to will that because my experience is not that. So I have to will it until I get to the point of of having it be the absolute only experience that I'm having. But for right now, I'm still doing it in layers, which takes takes my will, my power of decision to choose to keep on going, putting one foot in front of the other and allow these layers to come off and to commit to never participating in something that I know about that is that is of not not of the light. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra, for emphasizing power of decision. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Sandra. 
Yeah, we we often forget the nearly 30 million Russians that also died in that craziness of uh, asserting a private will. I have this is Lemoyne. I had the most interesting experience. I I guess I when I look at it, I didn't quite follow the instructions. I mean, I did, but not. Maybe not in the order that we're given. But I had the experience of reaching the door and, and uh, you know, I kind of opening it. And as it opening, it just dissolves in light. And I realized, yeah, I put that door there. And... Uh, And I just realized it's just it's just opened by an act of will of not willing to keep any secret place where something bad might come out, and therefore I have to live in fear of my own mind and just open the door and I immediately had the experience of like the question, okay, was that the real door, and the ego was like, "I can put another door there." And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, there was another door there, and this thing of like an infinite series, of, and it just it just had this will to like open them all, and um, they did. They all opened up, and again, then there's the experience of the hall of doors and many doors, and and the answer is to just let, open them all. And, you know, the light didn't really seem to come from any particular one, but kind of up from the floor and dissolve this whole illusion of, uh, <clears throat> of a false, of the, the kind of displayed the falsity, the choice between love and fear. That... Love is what creates being and, you know, is known by this effect that I could just love myself enough not to continue to set up these false choices where fear is hidden there somewhere and uh, and then I will always have to wonder... And, and see when, you know, what the, uh, where it leads is, you know, that today, like every day, today is set by heaven itself to be a time of grace. And you know, that I can seek and find all that I want with inner peace and the single purpose offers it to me. Make sure they're right. I'm in a bit of pain this morning, and I appreciate if you just wait a minute so I don't feel like I'm disturbing anyone and trying to fix myself here. Okay? 
Love your share, Lemoyne. Yeah. yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, thank I you, wasn't Lemoyne. sure you were done, but thank you. Great. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if someone else wanted to talk there, but um, <clears throat> I and I realized that I can I can go back. I I was still tempted by this pattern. It's like, well, we'll see. We'll see how this works. But it's. You know, <laughs> this thing of, of peace, you know, our birthright of peace and love and, you know, the being accomplished enough to withstand whatever comes back at me from the world we've been projecting our fears into for so long, um, that... That, that that's like that's like a pattern uh, that I, it's not that I I know enough to know that that's you know salvation is not contingent on what uh, what happens outside it is it is an inner work and it's not it's not really work it is in the end and in fact all the way down a matter of this choice that's offered there in the reading, you know, you can decide to do it right. And uh, I know when, when I read the reading, I realized that, that I've spent a lot of time trying to keep the split, trying to make it all, <clears throat> trying to reconcile um, fear and love. And it, By trying to hold both, and and uh, you know, I do think it's it's a useful thing to see other points of view, but it really does depend on how I look. I mean, there, and so uh, when I say other points of view, I've been willing to include fear and love, and then by trying to reconcile those two, all I can really end up with is chaos and confusion. Um, that's the only way to reconcile the two. Confusion at least, and 
seeing confusion, be unable to be certain. And that is not, that, <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, it's more of the split. <clears throat> Good morning, it's Mindy. Just wanted to apologize. I was off mute, and I was the one who was muttering, not being present to the present, which is the real world. I was projecting something and what something I didn't want to deal with, and was looking forward to that was unpleasant, and said what I thought I would say if I needed to say it. And it's like, well, that was such a good illustration of today's lesson and talking about we look inside to to decide what we're going to, what source we're going to use. Is it going to be the ego or the Holy Spirit? And then project our projections um, out. And our perceptions come from where we choose to have their source be. So that was a really good um, example. Um, <clears throat> I have had some lovely things happen, and I've had some very challenging things happen, some of which I've caused myself, and some of which seem to be caused by someone else. Um, in the real world, it's co-created, and it's for my good. And I'm feeling a little sorry for myself there, thinking about going to my class after hurting my back and sitting through something like, hmm. How can I turn this around as I'm thinking about it now and make it a healing thing rather than something that, you know, oh, I have to be there because I said I would. I don't want to. And it's just amazing when I look at these things that happen to me as bad. You know, I, I let the ego decide for me. When I look at them from the Holy Spirit or the picture of wholeness, I realize that they're learning experiences and that they're a call for help and that the best response for a call to help is to answer it. Now, <laughs> I don't think I can answer this call for help because it, was, it came from me, but the Holy Spirit can. So these setbacks um, really are just pointing out how I did not allow a miracle or a healing to to stay with me, and that means that there's a wound that isn't healed. And the lovely thing that I'm beginning to learn is that when I do a self-sabotage, and I, someone said the other day, I think it was Lori, that the awareness brings the healing. <sighs> I can relax. There's, I need to do nothing. And just be willing, just be willing to set the ego aside and hear what the Holy Spirit says. And, and again, willing to feel my feelings when something hurtful happens, when I cause a loss. There can be grief, but 
if I look at it through the Holy Spirit's eyes or the spirit of wholeness, there's peace. And it's interesting because I thought, well, how, how can I have feelings if I'm at peace? Well, I can. I can have joy. I can have contentment. And I can even feel sadness and anger. But when it's in the context of peace, all these emotions release me and allow me to stay present to my heart and to myself and even to connected with my brothers. So I've had some miracles and I've had some learning experiences and I felt so depressed this morning, but now, not now, not but, and now I can see that they were calls for help to have additional healing so that what's in the way of my seeing the real world is going to be disappeared because I'm giving Holy Spirit the permission to show me and to bring it up and to do the healing process, which I don't understand, but thank God it works without me understanding it. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. And, you know, um, forgiveness, again, it, it applies to myself as well because there's a tendency, and I'm realizing that this is an ego thought, like, why did you have to put yourself through that in order to be willing to, you know, be healed of this or that or forgive this or that? And it's like um, when that comes up, the healing process becomes painful. I'd rather be a happy learner, trusting that miracles can replace all grievances. And these things that happen, um, you know, if I do lose this particular healer, that just means that I'm to look inside and trust God as the healer. That it might mean that I, I made someone a false god, a false idol. And it shows me the blocks to love. This course is about removing the blocks to love. And it can be a little painful when I see that I have a resentment towards someone which I projected onto this healer, which I also feel I don't deserve to be healed because I'm resentful. It's important to see this stuff and then just let it go and realize, okay, this is a little bit of insanity. And, and the place, I guess, where I need to help is I have a little bit of fear. It's like, oh, my God, I did it again. Oh, my God, can I learn from this? Can I really release it, let go of my fear? And let a miracle take the place of grievances. And um, doing the workbook lessons really makes a difference. So I'm amazed, again, at how synchronistic the uh, things that in my life are and how perfect the lessons are to apply them. So I'm just going to smile and do my best to do the lesson because that really, that's my anchor. So thanks, everybody, for being on the call. I'm so grateful we have these lessons. They, they really are the anchor that turn the ship from the wrong direction and uh, set it towards uh, knowing that, you know, knowing I'm on the right path and, and I'm going to arrive there and we're all going to arrive there. And at least, at least I can be a happy learner and the journey can be peaceful. Now I'm complete. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Good morning, it's Karen.
I had some thoughts about this, um, starting with yesterday's lesson, that it's impossible to see from two worlds and at, to see two worlds. So I was meditating on that last night, and, you know, one world that I see is generated from fear, and the other world that I see is generated from love, and that's the real world. But I can't hold them both in my mind at the same time. So um, that's like that's like telling me what I took away from yesterday is only try to see from love. You know, if you feel like you're seeing from fear, make the correction, make the decision. The decision is up to me. And then um, today's reading really just wasn't making. It wasn't making a clear picture to me until just now. Suddenly then I got it. It says, look within. When you look within and you see Christ, then when you look without, you'll see the real world. And when I look without and I see distortion, it means there's something inside of me that's not clear. So what I was trying to to make sense of it, right? And then I realized, you know, when we meditate, when we do the workbook and we go within, we go to the inner altar, um, and we are with the light on the inner plane, when we're in the light on the inner plane, it's like the Christ in us is manifesting. It's getting stronger. That true self is coming forward out of the illusions and out of the false self. And then, of course, when I open my eyes and get on with my day, I'm, I'm full of light. I extend light. It's a natural per- process. And I feel the joy and I feel the benefits and the attributes of spirit because the Holy Spirit has manifested within me. Jesus says that the Christ manifests within us. And then we and then we will see the real world. Um, sometimes I look out and I see all these distortions, and that's because my mind is still holding those blocks, the ego blocks that are still hidden, that haven't been healed yet. It isn't that I don't have the willingness to heal them, but they haven't been. The light hasn't shown on them yet. They're still hidden to me. So when I get my feelings hurt, when I'm out in the world and something triggers me from my childhood, the Holy Spirit is offering me an opportunity to shine the light there in that place, you know, in that place where something is triggered that's not the Christ within me, whether I'm seeing it or feeling it in my own psyche or I'm projecting it into the world because it's Um, On some level, I want to reject it because it isn't what I want, but I haven't healed it, so it's being projected out into the world. Um, I think it's a combination of what needs to happen is I need to spend more time um, with the Christ within and the foundation of love on the inner plane and then I have to pay serious attention to what's, what's happening on the external plane because if it's not being generated from love, 
then something needs to be healed and purified. Some block needs to be offered into the light. And um, the last thing I want to say, because we are one in the spirit of the Christ mind, is that my daughter's at court right now. (laughs) And I'm just praying that the Christ light is shining through the situation that she's in so truth can prevail. So the world of the ego illusions does not prevail. That the Holy Spirit prevails in this situation for the healing and and the upliftment of the whole condition the whole situation. You know, where there's where there's um conflict and where there is chaos, let there be peace and clarity, where there is uh, you know, specialness and motivations, motivations that generated by fear, may holiness and love prevail. I'm complete. I'll join you in that, Karen. And your share was beautiful. Thank you. It was difficult, actually. I don't know why, but this reading was like, puzzling to me, you know. Um, Miracles demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is within us and working through us. That's what the miracles, you know, in the external world when we we generate peace. And um, I did have an example of this. I had an interaction over the weekend with a neighbor, and she said something to me, and I, you know, I was so taken back by how mean it was. And I had been praying for her for a couple of days after that. I kept saying, you are the Christ. You are my sister in Christ. You are my sister in Christ. And she sent me this smiley emoji. And she's been waving at me and being friendly. And prior to this, I've lived in this house for two years, and I could not get a smile out of her for anything. So it was like a miracle, you know, that there was this shift and I saw her at 6 o'clock this morning when we were both putting out our recycling, and we had a nice, positive, smiling, joyous thing. And that was a miracle, true miracle. Something shifted. You know, I made the decision not to go with judging her or judging myself for judging her, but instead just kept repeating the mantra, you know, you are my sister in Christ. Or my sister in Christ, we are one in the spirit. And it seemed like something shifted. And so the beginning of this reading in the text talked about um, we will recognize the Holy Spirit in us by the demonstrations of miracles and that none of our miracles are bound. I love this line. It said, um, What he enables you to do is clearly not of this world. For miracles violate every law of reality in this world, as this world judges it. Every law of time, space, magnitude, mass, prediction, control is transcended. What the Holy Spirit enables you to do is clearly beyond all of them. Perceiving his results, you will understand where he must be. And finally, know what he is. If you see his, when you see 
you can't see his manifestations. And unless you do, you will not realize he's there. Miracles are his witnesses and speak for his presence. What you cannot see becomes real to you through his witnesses. It becomes completely real to you as his presence becomes manifest through you. This is your function on earth, which is healing. But until you get over the idea that you have two functions, you you still need correction. And the two functions come from the place of all the blocks and all the ego uh, distortions that are still there that need to be purified. But we have to make the decision that that it is we ask to be purified and we make the decision that that is our will to share the will of the Holy Spirit. I'm complete and probably rambling, sorry. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Oh, and I not love this story yeah. about the neighbor. It, it encapsulates this whole section, really. Um, what you shared. The universe is responsive to truth, you know. And and when I find the truth in me, which is the atonement, you know, the atonement will radiate out, he says. The atonement will radiate from your acceptance of it within to all that you see. I'm reminded of um, something in chapter 6 where he said, the Holy Spirit begins by seeing you as perfect. He says it here in 71. Isn't it paragraph 71? Yeah. For the reality of your mind is the loveliest of God's creations. I mean, only from God. His power and grandeur could only bring you peace if you really looked upon it. Holy Spirit begins by seeing you perfect. He says the atonement is the first miracle and also the last because it contains all miracles. The whole idea that the ego thought system is nothing except the chaos engendered because of the ego's belief in sin, guilt, and fear. When those are gone... When the belief in sin, guilt, and fear are gone, which is the perfect love expressed in the atonement, it becomes impossible to see the manifestations of sin, guilt, and fear. And through that acceptance of atonement, he says the atonement added more to you than you tried to take away. And what that says to me is that there is a power of love that's beyond anything I can imagine. And when I find it within myself, it radiates. Finding it within myself is the same as opening the door and finding the truth of myself. He describes it as light. You know, 
um, this is the one miracle that contains them all. He says the source of all miracles is really the love. And love does not exist in a world of sin, guilt, and fear. It only exists in the thought system of truth. And so when I make my mind open to truth and want only that, isn't that what that lesson says? No one can fail who has to reach the truth. If I want only truth, I'll have only truth. And the truth is more than I could have imagined. If I'd made a list and kept it in my pocket of everything in the whole world that I ever wanted, it wouldn't contain the bliss of truth. That's how big it is. In the manual for teachers, it's worth reading. How are healing and atonement related? Healing and atonement are not only related, he said they're the same thing. And um, the first time I, I read this section really, really seriously, I was having a problem with my mailman. <laughs> and he was asking me some, some really unreasonable things. And according to the ego, it seemed really unreasonable. But I wanted, um, I wanted only truth not just to have my mailbox where I wanted it. <laughs> I wanted us all to be happy. And that year, um, because I'd learned that forgiveness gives me everything I want, and I wanted to understand what forgiveness is, um, I asked Holy Spirit for a meditation to help me understand it. And in light of the fact that your mind is the loveliest of God's creations, I made a space in my mind that was so beautiful. I envisioned it. I envisioned all the beauty in the world right there in my mind with Christ. And I asked for truth. Help me understand what forgiveness is. In this world, it's the equivalent of love. At the same time, this business with my mailbox was going on. Bashar al-Assad was attacking all his people in Syria, pounding, pounding the place to powder. And ISIS was rising. And all these things seemed to be happening in the world while my garden was being devastated. But I wanted the truth. So in this beautiful, beautiful place, I asked for nothing but the truth. Help me understand what forgiveness is. Help me understand truth. And with his arms around me, making my mind the loveliest of God's creations, it wasn't long before everything I ever had a problem with came walking over this hill surrounding my beautiful place. And I understood then that forgiveness is the equivalent of this world's healing. It's the equivalent of love. Because as everything I had a problem with came walking over this hill, I became more and more filled with joy. And all I could think of was, I'm so glad you found this place, not realizing that all of, all of everything over the hill was already all there in this beautiful, beautiful place. 
I want the truth. Forgiveness gives me everything I want. And if that's all I want, it will be given me. Not because it was ever obscure, but because it was always true. When you look in, you could see me and all your brothers and all creation in the light with you. And all it asks of me is to extend a little peace, teach peace. And when I, when I allow Holy Spirit to give me a gift of forgiveness, it's because I've made a decision to teach peace, to learn it. The ego is the idea of conflict. And the only thing that ever dies, the only thing that ever, ever dies in this picture of resurrection is the ego because it was the idea that something's wrong based on sin, guilt, and fear. When I let that idea go, truth shows me it was always there. Um, it's what I want. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Really uh, on point profound. Thank you. Right, Karen again. Um, one more thought. I just was thinking, you know how it said yesterday that it's impossible to see two worlds. So just to apply that to my mind and my life, when I have a fear thought, if I indulge it or give it my power or even, you know, take it for a little walk and and unravel it, um, I'm creating and manifesting. I'm calling forth the witnesses of the world of chaos, the world of death and destruction. You know, so with all this stuff going on with um, my son-in-law's uh, parents are trying to, um, they're trying to take the baby. <laughs> you know, he doesn't really care because he's, pretty checked out and doesn't really care because he kind of, he's satisfied with what 
status quo has been, but they want, you know, they want, they want the baby like it's an asset to be divided. Um, looking at that situation from the ego mind, of course, perspective is, uh, it, it generates fear thoughts. And if I go down that road of looking at the fear thoughts, um, I'm lost. I'll be lost. I'll just go right into the, to the illusion and become part of it. My alternative to that is to rest in God, number one. I rest in God. Number two, I don't know anything. I don't know how God wants to resolve this for the healing. You know, the, there's a healing and there's a, a dissolving of the marriage and and there's a putting everything right because everything is has been off, you know, and everything needs to be back in, in a healed, light-filled, love-filled, um, loving-kindness place. And um, so I don't know how to do that and I don't know what that's going to take. I don't know what that's going to look like, you know. I don't actually know what needs to happen to get there. So I rest in God. I place the future in the hands of God and withdraw all my stories and all my judgments about what I think is happening, which is all ego-oriented stuff, right? Um, It would be so easy to slip into temptation and go into fear, you know, to go into fear because, I mean, there aren't that many things in this world that I really care about, but protecting the baby is, yes, that's something I would stand up for. You know, a lot of things I could just, like, say, I could step back and say it's not real, but that that seems really, really real. Um, Anyway, the, the thing is I can come back and rest in God. I can give it over to the Holy Spirit. I can put it on the altar. I can practice trusting in God. I can practice being open to the Holy Spirit flowing through my heart, mind, into the situation without any agenda on my part, but just trusting. And that would be the foundation of love versus the foundation of fear. And ask. No one can fail who asks for truth. That's uh, another part of it for today. I'm complete. Just beautiful. Thank you, thank you, Karen.
Yeah, thank you, Karen. <clears throat> I kind of realized it's uh, time to close the recording, at least, and not really sure of where to go. I always guess probably know what my favorite section in is being 15.5. I always want to go there to practicing the holy instant. And uh, and I do want to read this, that the necessary conditions for the holy instant does not require that you have no thoughts which are not pure. But it does require that you have none that you would keep. Innocence is not of your making. It is given you the instant you would have it. Yet it would not be atonement if there were no need for atonement. You will not be able to accept perfect communication as long as you would hide it from yourself. For what you would hide is hidden from you. And uh, return to today's reading. And see it in the the context of the chapter. And one point I do want to make about yesterday's section. Just in the title, the vision of Christ, that has two meanings. It's both the vision that sees through Christ's eyes and the vision that sees Christ everywhere. And you know, the way I think what he's pointing to as the way that they can they are unified is by accepting and making no judgment that doesn't fit within the judgment of the Holy Spirit. So from 73 and I'm going to go ahead and put it in the first person. Um, when I look within and see Christ, it will be because I have decided to manifest truth. And as I manifest truth, I will see it both without and within. Or I will see it without because I saw it first within. Everything I behold without is a judgment of what I beheld within. If it is my personal, private judgment, it will be wrong, for judgment is not my function. If it is the judgment of the Holy Spirit, it will be right, for judgment is his function. I share his function only by judging as he does, reserving no judgment at all unto myself alone. 
for I will judge against myself, but he will judge for me. And just to remind, just to call forth the judgment of the Holy Spirit is that every loving thought is true and everything else is a call for healing and help. That is what it is, regardless of the form it takes. So if I'm judging against something <clears throat> in a bitter and rejecting way, that is a call for healing and help. And just recognizing that is enough to remind me where to turn for that healing and help and um, yeah, this is a at least for me it's a practical way of how the atonement is accepted <laughs> why it's needed you know and uh, anyway I'm complete thank you all for being here thanks for listening that was a beautiful morning Thank you so much. It definitely was a gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you.